This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. It's an honor to be with you. It's a joy to be with you. In just a second, Lindy's going to come up, but before she does, there's one verse I want to say before she does. And I feel like it's a promise for this house. I'm sure it's a common verse for you guys, but Matthew 5, 8 says this, says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I felt a promise from the Lord for tonight for this house. It's not a, you might, but the pure in heart will see him. When we purpose our heart to be cleansed in the blood, willing to repent, willing to get right with God and each other, we position ourselves and set ourselves up to see the living God. And I feel the promise over this house is it's only going to increase. The revelation of the glorious light of the Son of God is only going to increase and increase and increase. And there's a beauty that's going to be on display for this house. Lindy, are you about ready? Now, I know I already honored her, but she shared this word, this word with your House of Bethany worship school, which I thought was so right. We talked about it on Friday night and this whole heavenly weekend, but you have an incredible amount of set-apart worshipers in this house. Some of the most tender hearts ever. Lindy shared what she's about to share a lot on Friday. So, Lindy, why don't you come up? Can we just welcome Lindy back up to share? Thanks, guys. I'm really, um, I won't be long. You, I mean, you can, yeah, that's perfect. Then I feel supported, you know, like, I won't be long. Um, Chase actually has a word on faith tonight that I think is going to cause us to tremble even more. But I'm just sharing this little piece because we were praying for you guys. And, you know, we kept hearing the same thing of the greatest witness is that we look at him. And so I wrote down this word for you guys, and it's, behold him, for this is our greatest witness. I really do believe we're about to see the greatest harvest in all of history. And it is urgent that we behold the lamb. It is urgent that we know him. Paul says, I counted all as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And it says, this is your eternal life, that you would know him. And I just wanted to share this one verse, and I had no idea you were even going to mention it this morning, Michael, which I was blown away, is Song of Solomon 5. So I don't have my Bible, this is Chase's Bible, so i got to find it. It's, you know, it's like Song of Solomon's got the big bookmark in mind. Hang on. <laughs> no, he does. Um, but I, I feel during worship, I'm, I hope I can talk. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm trembling. He's closer than we think. Eternity is closer than we think. I just have to believe that the great cloud of witnesses are like, man, if they only knew how thin this veil is. If they only knew their priorities would be so different. Their, how they spend their time would be so different. I normally can pull myself together, but I can't tonight. I'm undone. So I'm going to keep this brief so you can actually understand some of what someone's talking about. But um, <clears throat> I love this scripture in Song of Solomon. The first Song of Solomon study I ever did was Mike Bickles, which is from the perspective of Jesus the bridegroom and us the bride. So when I'm reading this, that's the lens I'm reading it through. In this book, the bride is on a journey of discovering Jesus, finding Jesus, the beauty of Jesus, the wonder of Jesus. This whole book is going through a journey. And in five, the bride says, I slept, my heart was awake. A sound, my beloved is knocking. She knows the sound of her beloved knocking, right? She's gotten to know him. Open to me, my sister, my love. 
And she's saying, I put off my garment. How could I put it back on? Um, my beloved put his hand to the latch and my heart was thrilled within me. She's like, ah, oh, listen, I'm, I already got ready for bed, you know, but I know you're there. Okay, I'm, I'm coming. So then it says, I rose to my beloved. My hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh. I opened to my beloved, but he had turned and gone. So he's not there anymore. So what does she do? I turned to my beloved, he had turned and gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but I found him not. I called and he gave no answer. The watchmen found me as they went about in the city and they, they beat me and they bruised me. They took away my veil. Those watchmen of the walls. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, would you tell him I'm lovesick? And here's what I love about this. She knows him. Sometimes we read through scripture and it's just like, oh yeah, that's cool. No, no, no. She's saying, where is he? Has anyone seen him? She's getting beaten and bruised. It says her veil was torn. And she's like, do you know where he is? He's everything to me. He's all I need. I can't find him. Where is he? And then boom, she's beaten again, bruised. It's what it says right here. That's humiliating. That's embarrassing. I don't know what her reputation was, but I'm sure that would mess with her reputation, right? Her veil's been torn. That's humiliation. And so then it says the others here are the daughters of Jerusalem. Can you imagine looking at a woman who is... Her veil's been torn and she said, if you see him, just tell him I'm in love. I love him. They said, who is your beloved more than another beloved that you would adjure us like this? And that's when she goes, my beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000s. His head is the finest of gold. His locks are wavy. His eyes are like doves beside the stream. She begins to exalt who he is because she knows him. And because she knows him, her circumstance does not determine her love for him. Her circumstance does not determine her search for him. Her circumstance does not determine anything. She's in love. And then you keep going here and they say, chapter six opens up with this. Where has he gone? We're going to find him with you. That's the greatest form of evangelism we can walk in. Who is he? I'm going with you. Who is this man you're singing to? Who is this one you can't stop locking eyes with? Who is this one you're preaching me about and you're praying, you're praying over me that I'd be healed? Who is this one? And we say, this is who he is. This is Jesus, the lover of your soul. His arms stretched wide on a cross, his hands bleeding mercy. And he was thinking about you. He loves you. This is my beloved. This is my friend. Behold him. This is our greatest witness, is that we would behold the Lamb of God. I feel so ruined tonight. I just feel ruined tonight. We touched something tonight. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit, would you come and remind us that not only is the veil thin, but you tore the veil. Would you just wound us with your love tonight, Oh, we can't believe what you did on the cross. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful Jesus. We'll never stop being undone by your love. We'll never stop being undone by your love, Jesus. And the last thing before I hand it back to Chase is, I just felt, you know, we say, I want a heart of worship. We've all sung the song. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It all resonates with us, right? Because we're like, yeah, it's about the heart. And it felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want to equip Jesus' image to be able to biblically articulate what the heart of worship is. 
And so I just begin to ask the Lord, this was probably four or five years ago, you know, you just start wondering, God, what, what matters to you? What worship, what worship moves your heart? What do you like, Jesus? I know what it'll take to chart. I know what it'll take to this or that. I know what it'll take to have earthly accomplishments. But I tried that. And it's a dead end road. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Romans 12, this is a Romans 12 worship movement. I present to you, Jesus, a living sacrifice. This is my holy and acceptable worship. So then I learned that you pay attention to the first time God mentions something in the Bible. So I thought, I wonder when the first time worship is mentioned. And I'm thinking it's gonna be some glorious thing around the throne. I was ready, I'm like, ooh, where is it? And I find it in Genesis 22. I'm like, okay, this is the first time the word worship is mentioned. I think that's important to the Lord. And it's in the context of Abraham and Isaac, God has asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son. And because God, because Abraham trusts God, he obeys. I don't know about you, I'm a mom. To trust God that deeply means you know him. To go, I will sacrifice my only son because you're asking me to. What an upside down kingdom. So he takes Isaac up the hill and then he turns to those who have journeyed with him and he says, wait here while I go worship. And I remember thinking, what? What does this mean? And that, that word there means to bow down. So I'm like, okay, it's the head below our heart. It's the, the exaltation of Jesus, the bowing of us. But Lord, why do you introduce worship right here? And I just, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, because the heart of worship is a heart postured and wholehearted. Surrender, obedience, trust, and faith in God. Which is why the first time I used the word worship, was with Abraham and Isaac. And we all know how the story ends. God provides the sacrifice. A ram is stuck in the bushes. He doesn't have to sacrifice his son. It's this beautiful picture of the only son, Jesus, right? So we're talking about in worship. We see all these images, the prophecies of the one who is to come. But that is the heart of worship. And I settled and resolved that in my spirit. And I went, there is absolutely a place for the corporate worship. There is like, we experienced it tonight, right? The fellowship, the, the coming together and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and what that does. You can't replace that or escape that, right? But in this room, our hearts that are full of surrender, obedience, trust, and faith in God, and the heart of worship broken like a bottle at his feet right? You don't have to chase and wonder what a heart of worship is anymore. You don't have to perform for it or feel a bunch of pressure. That's it. So just, I just want before chase comes back and can we just do this? Can you just put your hand on your heart and just say, Jesus, give me a heart of worship. Increase my capacity to worship you. Jesus. I trust you, Jesus, I trust you, amen. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we behold you for this is our greatest witness. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit is what enables us to surrender. Your Holy Spirit is what enables us to obey. Your Holy Spirit enables us to walk in trust. So Holy Spirit, we say, take over. Take over, Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would seal this in our hearts. 
that tonight you would even take us glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. And we bless you, Jesus. We just say we love you. We say yes to beholding you for this is our greatest witness. Amen. Amen. Leave this up here. It's anointed. Thank you, Jesus. Just going to wait 10 seconds before I jump into this. It's, it is connected to everything we're talking about tonight. Because Lindy, she mentioned it, but I think it's when you get a clear picture of Jesus, when you have true revelation of Jesus. The only proper response is extravagance. If your life isn't extravagantly laid at the feet of Jesus, I'm not sure we've seen him. Because when we get a clear picture of just how good and loving and beautiful and worthy and glorious that Jesus is, the only response that our hearts can have, it's not a half-hearted, I love you, Lord. It's an extravagant, here's everything that I have to give. I want to give it to you. I'm desperate to be with you. I long to be with you another moment. You're more beautiful and more glorious than I thought. I got a clear picture. I can't go back to things as they were. I've got to have the real living Jesus. And so tonight, I want to talk about two things that I think are gonna take us deeper into this life of extravagance. Because that's the last thing I didn't mention at the beginning, but I felt at home here because you guys are extravagant. And I think when you look through the Bible, it's those who are extravagant, the Lord honors. And those who are half-hearted don't get to draw as close. But it's an extravagant response to Jesus, I think moves the Lord's heart. But that doesn't start with us. It starts with how he sees us. It starts with how he sees us. What I want us to look at first is the eyes of the Lord. I'm gonna to go to Mark chapter five. If you wanna take a break, you can take a break for a few minutes. You've been just up there crushing for hours. You're a hero. We should give it up for you really quick. I will. Uh, I'll keep this brief because I want to continue to make room. I just feel like we've been here a minute. If you don't feel that way, I just feel like, man, just open up your heart. The presence of the Lord is among us. I feel like it's been a minute. It's been over two hours. Michael, is there a time you want me to? Okay. We're going to look in Mark chapter 5, a story that moves my heart that I think I've read too quickly in the past, but I've been studying it this whole year. I think it's a window into the heart of Jesus. At this point in the storyline, Jesus has moved in power. He's totally seen revival in the city of Capernaum. He's walked on water. He's, calm He's done the miraculous. He's known as the one that delivers demons, that heals the sick. He's known that when he preaches, it's different than the scribes. He preaches as one who has authority. At this point in the storyline, Jesus is moving in a revival power that makes me wonder, why did he do this? unless he had an intimate relationship with the Father that led him to do extravagant, wild things. If it's been a while since you've done something extravagant for Jesus, it's time to go deeper in friendship. He's moving in power. And he says, it's time for me to lead this revival movement in my home nation. We're gonna go to the other side. If I'm Peter or James or John, I'm one of the guys, right? That speaks up especially. I'm looking at James like, should we say something? Things are good right now. That paralyzed guy stood up. I mean, Peter, your mom, fever, gone. That was good news. Be nice to keep him around the family. Be good to stay at home, right? He's like, no, it's time to cross to the other side. Chapter five, they come to the other side. He has just done a miracle as he has calmed the seas and the wind. The disciples, anyway, never mind, I almost went on a separate note. He'd come to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes or Gadarenes, depending on what manuscript you have. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, he had a, a really incredible greeting. 
immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. I'm going to insert myself back in the story. I want to have a little bit of fun tonight because sometimes we read these stories like, yeah, normal. Jesus went there, delivered a guy. Great. Awesome. No, no, no. We just saw revival happening. We go to the other side and our welcome party is a guy coming out of the tombs. And this is not a normal guy. Like, he's not like the gravekeeper making sure everything looks nice. He lived among the tombs. How many know it's not getting better? It's getting worse. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. At this point, if I'm Peter, I'm like, we've got to get back in the boat. That storm was terrible, but I'll take that over this. Storm with Jesus? I don't know about this guy. It looks like he might just, my life might be over today. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart. He broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. I want you to just catch that line really quick. And this is important. No one had the strength to subdue him. This is a chronic case. Clearly people have tried to do things. They've tried to chain him down. They've tried to help him. They've tried to stop him. This is somebody that has had literally zero hope. There is no hope for this man. If I'm out on evangelism, this is the last guy I'm going to try to talk to. Some of you guys are like, I'd do it. Yeah, you're more of an evangelist than me. This isn't where I would want to start my ministry in a new land. I wouldn't want to leave revival back. That's where I'm headed right there. No one has been able to help this guy. It gets even worse. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. How many knows he has friends and not the good kind? Some of you are like, what? We'll find out in a second. But watch this. Remember, nobody could subdue him, right? We've got to raise our level of perception of who Jesus is. Watch what happens the first step Jesus takes on this land. When he saw Jesus from afar, he's not even close yet. It's like he's just stepped off the boat. And it's like a long way off. Maybe he could barely see him. The man that could not be subdued or stopped. He ran and fell down before him. Jesus is different than we think. When Jesus comes to town, a lot more can happen than we think. When he steps foot in a place like this, Anything could happen to any one of our lives. If you came in, I'm too bound, Chase. I've been trapped in pornography too long. I've been trapped in fear and anxiety too long. I've been bitter too long. I feel oppressed for too long. Let Jesus step into your old one, one step from Jesus. Come kneel before him tonight. Don't even wait for my message to get done. If you need Jesus, come kneel before him. Come to the altar. He's here tonight. He's among us. You don't need a pretty word. The demonstration of power by the Spirit is what we're after. Preach Christ and Christ crucified, right? If the presence and power of God was touching you like it was touching me in worship, you can come forward. God can minister to you tonight. He can set you free in a moment. And we'll pray for you tonight. Stay there. We'll keep going if, you're, if you've come forward. Those who have already come forward, the Lord's going to speak to you before anybody else even prays for you. He's among us. He's with us. Continuing the story, crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. Legion. Depending on the commentary, two, three thousand or five, six thousand, it's a lot. Everyone say that's a lot. It's got a lot of friends. For we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. The demons are begging Jesus because you know why? The demons know that Jesus has all power. The demons know who he is and they shudder. When Jesus comes, demons can't stand up to Jesus. 
Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. Isn't that amazing? Jesus didn't even cast them out. He's like, okay, permission, because I have all the keys. People think Jesus killed the pigs, demons killed the pigs. He said, okay, you want to go in there? That's what demons do. So he gave them permission. The unclean spirits came out, entered the pigs. The herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. This is a profound moment. The herdsmen, because this would have been a business around there. The herdsmen, they would have taken care of these pigs. There's a reason there's so many. This would have been like a business at this part of the country. People came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man the one who had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. Do you know what they were afraid of? Their perception of Jesus. A man with this power has come to our land. Our whole business just changed. Our whole economy. The guy that we had no power to help whatsoever and in one moment he's clothed and in his right mind. Instead of leaning in and saying, who is this Jesus that's come to our land? You see, you can read scriptures, you can come to Jesus religiously, you can come not expecting your life to change, but that's a low view of Jesus. When you come to Jesus, you gotta know that he's coming after your whole heart and your whole life. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Always fascinated me. You wanted business as usual rather than the guy that could deliver the only person that you had no way to help. You wanted to go back to your old life because it's what you knew, what you were comfortable with, what you were familiar with. That's what you longed for, more than this glorious one, one step. A guy sees him far away, he can't help but run, lay before him and get delivered of thousands of demons. They begged him to depart. Don't be among that tribe. Don't go back to business as usual. If there's sin in your life, confess it, get free tonight. It's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He's not here to condemn you, he came to save you. But if you don't let him, he can't. You can't say the word and not believe it in your heart. You gotta, look, gotta apply the blood, let him forgive you, set you free. They begged him to depart, so Jesus is getting into the boat. Check this part, the man who had been possessed with demons, begged him that he might be with him. Jesus, please, please let me go with you. You just delivered me. You set me free. I've never experienced this glory. Jesus, please let me go with you. I saw you. I got a picture. And the only thing I want is to be near you. The only thing I long for is to be in your presence. The only thing I long for is to be on that boat with those other guys. Please, Jesus, let me go be with you. This is a mark of a true disciple. I saw you. Please let me be in your presence. Please let me be among you. Please let me have more of you. Oh, I long to be with you. If I'm Jesus, I go, this might be a good draft pick. Powerful testimony. Useful in evangelism. So guys, when I met Jesus, I had these chains. Nobody could hold me down. I was super strong, cut myself, crazy stuff. Got delivered, thousands of pigs down. The, I have a crazy testimony. Jesus, let me in the boat. Numbers will skyrocket, trust me. It would make, if I'm Jesus, which praise God I am not and just following him, I'd be like, jump in the boat, dude. Hand you the microphone, tell that testimony. Right? But Jesus has always seen something more than we're seeing about ourselves. His plans are far more grand and more extravagant. They're more extravagant, not for our glory, but for his glory. Sometimes we have a false humility said, I'm just going to be in the background all the time. Lord, well, that might be fine. That, that might be true. But there might be time where he calls your number and your name and you're supposed to let your light shine because you're the light of the world, Matthew 5. Right? He might have a big extravagant plan for your life. 
And I'm convinced he does because I think that other people's eternities can change because there's people you know that I don't know. And there's lives that you can touch that I could never touch. Anyway, back to the story. He's begging him. He might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Besides Jesus, I think this is one of the first commissionings of a missionary and an evangelist. Has he had 10 years of ministry school experience? Has he been walking with the Lord 40 years? Was he raised in Jewish culture? He had one encounter where he saw Jesus rightly, got delivered, got set free, got transformed. And his heart's cry was the proper cry of a disciple. Let me be with you, Jesus. And Jesus, knowing eternity, says, oh, I, I bet in the heart of Jesus, I want you to be. But I know there's 10 cities that because you got the main thing, right, the main thing, which is me, I can now send you as a missionary. Where my guys are still arguing about who's the greatest and who's going to sit at my right or left, you're just like, can I please be around you even? Can I be in your company? They're not ready yet. They need a little bit longer. But you... Go tell everybody what the Lord has done for you. Never discount your testimony, your story with Jesus. It's more powerful than you think. I haven't gotten delivered to thousands of demons. I grew up in the church. I love God. So you're telling me that the ways of the world haven't stained you and that you've been kept holy and pure your whole life? That is an insane testimony. If you have a personal relationship with the living God, that is miraculous and you have a story to tell. Verse 20 says, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that's, it was a, a loose arrangement of 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Jesus is like, well, nobody else wants to receive me, but... He's from here. They all know him. I'll send him. And I'll lay groundwork for the Gentile world coming to know me. Go tell 10 cities. Jesus, when he sees us, it's bigger than we think. It's more extravagant than we think. Lord, why did you send me to Orlando to be a part of Jesus school? Somebody needs to hear this tonight. I'm not from here. What am I doing? Am I crazy? Raising money? I just feel like, his plans are more extravagant than you think. It's grander than you think. Throw yourselves into these last months of whatever year you're in. I'm telling you, God has a deposit for some of you that have been longing for more. Lean in and say, Lord, I just want to be with you. I'm begging you. I just want to be with you. God's going to answer your prayer. He's going to answer your cry. Can I do one more story and then we can respond to Jesus? I'm not sure we need to, but... I just want to do one more brief story to give you permission to be extravagant in your response to God. I think it moves his heart. I think he loves it. And I think the religious spirit hates it. This is Mark 10. The story goes on. Yeah, let's do it. It says, they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho, this is verse 46, with his disciples, a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. It's a different story, same picture when Jesus comes to town and you get a clear picture of who he is. You have an opportunity 
you have an opportunity to respond to disruptive faith. Faith is just not knowing that he's real. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because you have to believe that those who come to him, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There is a reward on earnest faith. But earnest faith, disruptive faith, looks like a response. It looks like responding. Jesus is coming to town. I guess I could join the crowd and just kind of follow at a distance. Maybe I could talk to Peter to get me in the club a little bit closer to 72. Maybe if I do good there, once Judas is out, I'll get in the 12. And then Peter, James, and John got to know I'm coming for the three. And John the Beloved, he thinks he knows how to rest on the heart. Watch out, I got tears for days. Right? We do that though sometimes in our, okay, I could go off on a tangent on this. We do this in ministry world sometimes. Should I go off on this? No, I shouldn't. Should I? I should. If I sit front row, I hope Michael notices me. Why don't you go meet, introduce yourself and meet him? No, no, no. I wanted to see how wild I worship. Did you see that tear out of my left eye? I did my left, not my right, so you could see it. That's too ridiculous. We don't do those. We don't play those games, do we? I never played that game. Man, I wonder if Brian and Chris are going to give me an encouraging word today. I'll just hold my hands open. Show them I'm ready to receive the whole worship service. Holy Spirit, Chase, why don't you go ask them for prayer? You've been kind of discouraged the last month to say you need prayer. No, Lord, I'd just rather do it this way. They're so prophetic, they'll probably know. So now it's up to you, Lord. I, I told you, Lord. Right? We do so many crazy things expecting God to intervene in ways that he's asking us to step out in bold faith. This is a silly, fun example, but we play all these games, don't we? Do all these things, right? Jesus, would you heal me and my dad's relationship? Why don't you call him and ask for forgiveness for we needed ABC? No, Lord, I just want you to do it. Jesus, I want you to set me free of pornography. Will you confess your sin to a brother? Then I can wash you clean. Put it in the light. No, I just want to do just you. Sorry, Bible, 1 John. Won't work. Right? Responding to the character of Jesus with disruptive faith. Watch what he does. But what if I tell them I struggle with pornography and they don't like me anymore? Well, that's their fault for judging you and not believing in the blood. Because when I read my Bible, as far as the East is from the West, so far as he removed our transgressions. So when you confess, you better believe it's done. This is a sidebar, but this is going to set us up when we respond to Jesus tonight. For anybody who's got a foot in the world and needs to get right with Jesus tonight, let's get free tonight. Let's respond in faith. Whether you feel it or not, know that the blood applied by faith cleanses from any sin. All right, that was a fun sidebar. Thanks for letting me preach for five minutes. Back to the story. <laughs> Jesus stopped and called and said, call him. I always just picture that moment for Bartimaeus being like, that's right. Where's the person that told me to shut up? <laughs> it was you back there. You said, be quiet. They rebuked him, guys. They weren't just saying like, shh. They're like, hey, it's the teacher. It's the healer. He's here, man. Be quiet. Bartimaeus is like, yeah, duh. Jesus! Healer, I can't see. If it's you, I've heard how good you are. I've heard how kind you are. Especially to those who disrupt you, like the woman with blood who said, if I could just touch his, the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. The ruler who said, my daughter's dying, please come to my house. He responds to those who react in disruptive faces. This is who you are. I'm grabbing a hold of who you are. I'm not letting go. I don't care if I look foolish or ridiculous. The only right response to Jesus is an extravagant one. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. I just know it had to be like the same guy. I'd be like, hey, man. I was wrong. Maybe you teach me how to shout like that next time. 
all right to have fun in the house. Pleasures evermore, the right hand of Jesus, right? I love this scene. I just love this scene. It's so real. Verse 50, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. When the moment came, he did not hesitate. Some of you, you guys here right now, I'm telling you, this is just the beginning. God's going to encounter your heart tonight. Those who come forward, when you know God is knocking on your heart, your heart starts pounding, don't hesitate. In high school, I went to a Christian high school. I didn't know it was conviction because I had sin patterns and the Holy Spirit was pounding and I didn't respond. And then at 19, I, my heart started pounding. I was in a training school. And I said, Lord, you can have everything. I responded instantaneously. The freedom and the encounter with the power of God that I have changed my life forever. So if your heart is pounding tonight, don't wait. Spring up out of your seat. Get forward and come encounter Jesus. I don't mind if it disrupts me. I'm not looking for a perfect, polished moment. I'm looking for Jesus to disrupt our lives and respond with power. Come on. And for those who have come forward, this is a quick moment. This is you and Jesus. There's things you need to confess to him, surrender to him. We're going to pray a prayer of surrender. We're going to give our lives to Jesus afresh tonight. But I want you to have a moment. He is here among us. You don't have to wait for me. Have a moment with Jesus even right now. Let's finish this story. Then we'll respond. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. There wasn't a hesitation in the heart of Jesus. What did you want with this disruptive faith? I want to see. Let it be done according to your faith. Boom! Bartimaeus opens up his eyes. First thing he sees, the Messiah. Oh, Lord, open up our eyes. Any way I've been blind to your character, your nature, open up my eyes. Any way it's been clouded by sin patterns that I haven't confessed and I need to get free, open up my eyes. Any way pride, arrogance has limited me from coming to the cross, open up my eyes. How do you know to come back? That was honestly amazing. I'm sorry, I, have to have, I know this is a holy moment, but you can have joy in a holy moment. This is a real encounter with Jesus that you guys are having. There's more coming. There's more that are going to come forward too. I really am almost done this time. This is all possible. We talked about it, we sang it because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. This is all possible when we see the cross rightly too, though. It's when we open our eyes and realize this was not just a broken man on a cross dying a sinner's death. This was the son of God, the perfect spotless lamb with no sin in him. No one ever like him before, no one like him to come after. The only one like him to die a death in our place. It's the clearest picture that we have of the love of God is the father sending his only son and when he's on that cross, arms wide, hands pierced, feet pierced, it's a picture of love for all time. It shouts, it screams for all of eternity. I love you. I came for you. Your sin's not bigger than my blood. You're my enemy, I'll still die for you. You hate and revile me, here I am. Think about this, the thief on the cross, one gospel account says that they reviled him, meaning probably both of them. But we know in the Luke account that one of them must have had a revelation. He must have seen. Wait, stop. Do you not realize who this is? And the mercy of Jesus doesn't hesitate, doesn't wait. He says, you'll be with me today in paradise. You feel too far from Jesus? He's right here. Not with me up here. He is here. He is in our midst. He is, the presence of God is among us. The last thing Jesus said on that cross it is finished, to telestai. One of my friends told me that word. But that word means it was complete. There was a completion to Jesus' work 
an assignment on earth. And when it was complete, you better believe that veil that was impossible to rip with human hands was torn, not bottom to top, top to bottom. God was saying, no longer will my presence and my glory be confined to one spot. I will now make my home in the hearts of men because the blood of my son has been shed. And the forgiveness of sins can now be granted. Consciences can be clear. They can now draw near by the blood of Jesus. We live on this side of the cross and the resurrection. And so tonight, if you never have, some of you might already be up here, but if you have never made a full surrender to Jesus, if you know that the wages of your sin is death, there is a real cost. I know we're having fun tonight, but here comes the serious part. The wages of our sin is death. There is a price, small or big. You break one part, you break the whole thing. James tells us that. So small or big, if you have never fully surrendered your life to Christ, you are without hope. And the cost, the wages in the courts of God is death. But thanks be to God that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There is an eternal life and there is a freedom available to you tonight. So if you have never surrendered your life to Christ, but tonight you feel his love is knocking on the door of your heart. He's saying, let me in, let me in. Don't go another day without me. Don't go another moment without me. I love you too much. You saw what I did with the demoniac. I love you just like I love that man. I can set you free from anything. I can deliver you from anything. I can forgive you from anything. I'm here, I love you, I came for you. I'm in the room tonight. Would you just surrender wholeheartedly to me and just beg to be with me the rest of your life? I'll come and I'll make my home in your heart by the Spirit of God. If that's you tonight, I just want you to come forward right now. If there's anybody else that needs to make a full surrender tonight. Come on. make one more call and then Michael just however we want to respond after that but I do feel there's some of you in here that have battled hidden patterns of sin or things that you just never confessed or you feel like you've had one foot in the world one foot with Jesus I come on these Sundays it's electric I love being kind of around the flame the fire of those who are all the way in but in all reality that's not me and I know there's things that need to change in my life and I need to cry out like Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Cleanse this part of my life, change this part of my life, come for this part of my life. If that's you and your heart's been pounding tonight and there's a sweet conviction from the Holy Spirit, he's not here to condemn you, he's here to forgive you and set you free. So if that's you tonight, you're just like, man, I know I gotta get things right with God. I've gotta have a fresh, zealous commitment saying, Jesus, just like that demoniac said it, I'll do anything just to be with you. I'll change any part of my life. I'll leave my home, my country. I'll go to a different city, whatever it costs. Lord, I just want to be wholeheartedly yours. If that's you, I just want you to come forward as well right now. Come on. That's awesome. Come on. We're going to pray a prayer and then we're going to celebrate like wild in this church. We're going to pray a prayer first. We're going to pray a prayer. You guys are going to repeat after me. This is not about robotically repeating words, but your heart is there. It's you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You will be saved. It's a, it's a guarantee. And so we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to give you the words. But this prayer we're gonna pray is a prayer of repentance. And sometimes repentance sounds like, oh man, no, repentance is one of the greatest gifts the church has been ever, ever been given. We get to be made right with God, come on. Yeah, if there's anybody else that needs to come forward, don't wait. But repentance is a sweet gift. It basically means we turn from one thing and turn to the other. It's you are turning from the world and the ways of the world and you are turning wholeheartedly to Jesus saying, here's my whole life. I'm repenting from sin, patterns of sin saying, Jesus have it all. So we're going to pray this as a whole family, whether you're up here or not. We're just going to pray this together. Say this with me. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you for your extravagant love. Thank you for the price you paid for my sin on the cross. Right now, 
in your presence, I repent for my old way of life. And I turn to you, Jesus. I surrender my whole life to you. I make you the king, the leader, and the Lord of my life. Jesus, be my savior. Say this to me, Holy Spirit, set me free from patterns of sin. I invite the power of the Holy Spirit into my life. Disrupt everything I think is normal. For those up at the altar, if you just hold out your hands right now. Father, I just thank you for this extravagant response, this yes to you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now, right now, Lord, would you release your extravagant love on every single person up at the altar right now? I pray, would you encounter them afresh with your sweet presence, your love, your nearness, your kindness. If you're coming forward, you can come forward. Holy Spirit, come. We're just gonna wait in this place one minute. Holy Spirit, would you increase right now? Would you pour out your extravagant love? Let it be done to them. The longing of their hearts, the freedom longed for, desired, the salvation, Lord, pour it out tonight in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, increase right now. Let your presence increase right now. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.